0: You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. And as we delve into this week's topic, a reminder that some of the content may be of a sensitive nature. Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Dez.
1: Well, welcome to Momentum for this week. It is really great to have you tuning in wherever you may be around Australia and actually potentially the world as well if you're listening on the podcast, which is very, very cool. But uh, locally, our website is MomentumAustralia.org. If you're in Australia, you can find that and uh, give us some feedback. Maybe ask a question or two. You can listen to all of our previous shows. And look, if you feel inclined to financially support Momentum, uh, we'd love to have your support. It does go all around Australia and help line all around Australia too. As does our Momentum Care Line, by the way. And if you need a confidential chat with someone, you can do that seven days a week between 9 a.m. and 11 p.m. That's Eastern Standard Time. 1800 000 men. That's 1-800-000-636 for the Momentum Care line. And also, just want to let you know that we have just launched our very own YouTube channel. You'll find us by searching for Momentum for Men in YouTube.
2: And we're going to be uploading a whole bunch of our previous shows. So that not only can you hear Momentum, but you'll be able to see Momentum, Tim and I and whoever our guest is, each week by checking out our brand new YouTube channel.
1: Des, I'm not sure that this is a good idea they get to see us. But anyway, if they want to, they can search Momentum for Men in YouTube. And while you're there, don't forget to like, subscribe, and send to some of your mates as well. Of course, I'm very rarely alone in doing Momentum, and my good friend... Uh, the legend that is Des Kennedy is with us again, once again this week. How are you? It's good to see I'm you. really
2: good, thanks. I, I hate being called a legend because by my definition, legends are dead and I'm not quite there yet. So, you know, we want to talk about our guest today and um, we've got an amazing subject. You know, our guest, I've known this gentleman for quite some time, uh, for many years, in fact, um, and he's been a leader All the time I've known him as a pastor, he's now known as a speaker, an author, he's a great storyteller. Um, He's just an all-round great guy and he spent time lecturing in leadership colleges all around Australia and Asia. The first time we met him on Momentum, we talked about one of his books, which was The Man Book, and a lot of you listeners will remember that, a book designed specifically for men to help them in the area of relationships. And A very simple book, if I can say that, but very, very effective
1: yeah. And, you know, relationships are something that he's got a wealth of knowledge in. He's been successfully married for, well, longer than some of us have actually been alive. He's got a bunch of kids and an even bigger bunch of grandkids. And it is our great pleasure once again to have Brian Andrew with us on Momentum. Welcome back, Brian.
3: Hey, thanks, Tim and Des. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be with you.
1: I know that in previous episodes, man, we've had some very honest, real conversations with you and, and we appreciate your authenticity. And I know that uh, from the feedback that we get, guys who've listened to the shows absolutely will agree with that. And, you know, today's topic is perhaps a little sensitive as well. We do like to go there on momentum because, again, if, if we're not talking about it or we're not talking about it in church, uh, you know, someone's got to be talking about it. So we kind of pick up the banner. We're talking about being unequally yoked today. What does that actually mean and how does that apply into our lives? And, you know, there are many verses in the Bible that address the idea of being unequally yoked, but I think there's only one that says it directly in that 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14, which in the NIV says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? So I think, I guess the starting point, Brian, is in simple terms, what does it mean? Let's start with to be yoked to someone, and then we'll come back to the point of being unequally yoked. But what does that word yoked mean?
3: In the context uh, of that teaching, there was a reference to a you know an agricultural or rural setting where you'd have a couple of ox that would be joined together with a wooden kind of frame who would then you know carve up a field or pull a load, and if you have a large one and a small one, they're going to end up going round and round in circles. And so being unequally yoked or yoked is to work together to achieve a common goal. Unequally yoked means that goal is not going to be achieved because there needs to be Hmm. size parity, for example. Right.
2: So in the context of the verse, what do you think it's referring to?
3: Well, I think it generally uh, referring to uh, our faith, our beliefs uh, as a Christian. And... Being yoked is uh, like it's a it's a covenant. It's a commitment. It's a, a sharing of life. It's a it's a it's a it's a big deal. You know, it's a very significant part of our life. So I think being equally yoked means we share values and priorities, uh, our spiritual life, um, and so and yeah. So they're kind of yoked, and unequally yoked, of course, is where you get. People of different beliefs and behaviors. So it obviously doesn't just apply to
2: marriage, it applies to lots of areas in life, I guess. You know, most people in the Christian context would refer specifically to marriage, but, you know, what other
3: areas of life would, would it apply to? I think the one that comes to mind in particular is business. And uh, I've always had a sort of a soft heart for people in business. Um, I think they are underestimated in terms of the stress that they have to carry but also there's an overestimate you know estimating that they've got a whole lot of money in their pocket and often they don't Uh, they might be uh, you know cash flow poor and asset rich but uh, I think definitely in the area of business and in conversations I've had with business people over the years I've suggested because I'm not a you know a business professional myself Uh, I never pretend to have expertise where I don't, but I've suggested that if you, you know, you own a business and you want to bring someone in to share in terms of owning a part of the business, that you should always have a majority, always have a majority of, say, the shares or the value or whatever it may happen to be, so that if there is conflict and difficulty, which there always is, You've got the casting vote if you're the owner, the vision carrier of that business.
2: And I guess it also applies to where you have um, a business partner, and you're of faith, and you've got a Christian worldview, and you're bringing somebody in to be a business partner. Is much better that that person would have similar
3: a similar worldview. Theoretically, theologically, biblically, absolutely, yes. Um, but uh, you know, honesty's a part of what we're doing here, sometimes people say, well, I've got someone I brought onto my staff or into my business because they said they were a Christian, but they behave badly and I've got some non-Christians who behave better and I'd rather have a good employee or business partner who's not a Christian than someone who says they're a Christian but lets the team down. Yeah, so it's
1: quite a dilemma. Down. It's 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 a dilemma for many. Mm. I mean, in that case, then let's say that that's an ex- uh, an ex- exemption, right, from the being equally yoked, right? In, in business, it can work, and we've all got those experiences, or have friends who've had that experience where they've partnered with a Christian. It hasn't worked well you know, it's fractured the relationship or left someone burnt or, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, there's people listening right now that will have walked that scenario. But I think let's, let's come back to the marriage piece, because that is where when we say unequally yoked, I mean, that's where you started, Brian. And that's where we kind of wanted to delve into initially for the show. So let's talk about that. I mean, do you think that there's an exception to that instruction when it comes to marriage? You know, is it okay to be unequally yoked or down the track does it just cause more problems than it's worth?
3: Well, when we were chatting earlier, I mentioned 40-something years at the coalface. It so often ends badly when a Christian marries a non-Christian. And I think even some of the best marriages where somebody's, say, married a non-Christian and I've got to know them after that, They'll, they'll say, look, we really get on well and we love each other, but I often find there's a sadness because it's less than. Mm. And so we might share the physical environment. We might share, um, you know, the recreation. We might share all kinds of things, and we might have similar parenting values. But I can see a particular person's face. She was very gracious, as she was explaining to me, that the marriage is essentially healthy, common. But there was an emotion, a sentiment expressed that it's less than what I dreamed for and hoped for and prayed
1: for. Interesting.
2: Because you have a whole chunk of your life and and a very, very important part of your life, which is your spiritual life, and that's something you're not sharing with your partner. Isn't that, isn't that the reflection?
3: You know, I, I have to say that, I find it quite disappointing at times that by the time someone comes to see a pastor or a counselor, they've gone a fair distance along the relationship and given themselves emotionally. Mm. And I think there is a general awareness that when we start off a relationship, there's often an infatuation or some would say we move into the zone of temporary insanity. You know, <laughs> like we, we put our rational mindset up on a shelf somewhere. We overlook the things that uh, we think are cute, um, but after a while become annoying and eventually a source of resentment. But look, I think the kind of questions uh, uh, ought to come naturally out of our own faith. And uh, I know our emphasis, I think our emphasis is... Kind of more on women who are in this situation. But I'm sure you guys are aware there's a phenomenal number of single, lonely men. Mm. It's, it's not just a female thing. But anyway, I think the kind of questions you, you, I, I actually say to people, uh, <laughs> if it's to a woman, I'll say, for example, how does this man treat his mother? You know, how does he speak about his mother? Because that's quite a good indicator of uh how this could go uh, what church are you a part of or what christian community are you a part of mm. uh, these are the kind of questions and certainly the observations around priorities like how is money spent is there discipline or is it just spent uh is drinking uh modest uh so it's a wine here and there or is it too much drink uh, you know, is it excess? It's things like that. And are they part of an authentic Christian community? Therefore, they ought to be, there ought to be people that they know. What are their friends like? Uh, mm. meet their friends. If mm. you can meet their family, ask those questions because it's just, I, I'm thinking of one couple right now where he, uh, they were both training to be professional people and he was a Christian and she wasn't and he wanted, Uh, to date her he found out she wasn't a Christian and so he invited her to come to church and she said I'm not going to church I don't want to go to church but as the relationship started to develop she eventually said okay I'll go to church but I'm not necessarily going to believe what you believe look anyway this one had a good outcome this couple found me online came and asked me to do their wedding and I said well where are you now And Mm. she said, well, I'm now a Christian. Wow. Well, I asked her to define that. And she said, well, it's not just going to church, you know, she told the pastor, you know. (laughs) uh, She said, I went to church and I discovered that I needed a Savior. So I accepted Jesus as my Savior and I'm baptized. It was a great joy for me to baptize them. Of course. So there are those good stories like that. But questions around community, attitudes, priorities, values, um, even even more directly, if your faith is really strong, um, describe Jesus or, or something like that. What do you think of Jesus? Uh, you know, it, it's so important to try and bring these up before you get infatuated with affection and, you know, adventures.
1: Some really good advice to end the first part of the show on. We're talking about being unequally yoked this week with Brian Andrew, our special guest once again, as we take a short break. MomentumAustralia.org is our website. We're going to come back and explore some more scenarios of being unequally yoked in the second part of this week's Momentum. Hang around, stay tuned. We'll talk to you soon.
0: This is Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at
1: MomentumAustralia.org. Okay, well, welcome back to part two of this week's Momentum. It is another juicy topic, shall we say, of being unequally yoked. And it's uh, Tim and Des with you and our special guest, Brian Andrew, this week. And, you know, we, we specifically chose, kind of targeted Brian a little bit because we know that he's got a lot of his experience in this area and a lot of wisdom as well around something Not that personal experience, we should say. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, wisdom, I said, and <laughs> yeah, experience in this area of, uh, you know, be, uh, of, of helping people along yeah. the journey of marriage and life and relationships and certainly those who are unequally yoked. And, Brian, you know, in the break you were just saying off air that, you know, traditionally there is a, a shortage of, of good, in inverted commas, Christian men – You know, it seems to be that you know there's there's some factors involved into why people, partly, should we say, compromise or settle for a relationship that perhaps isn't ideal, and settle for someone who isn't of faith, but there's some generic reasons as to people why people do that. Just explain that for us a bit.
3: Yeah, I think um, for women, the overwhelming kind of concept would be loneliness, just loneliness, just pure loneliness, the crying of, you know, to sleep night after night. Uh, I think another one, though, is also hope. I think women actually have a tremendous capacity to hope that this man that I may need to compromise to, like, win his heart, he'll change. He'll change. Uh, and he does believe in God, sort of, you know, like there has got to be a God out there. I, I think they're the kind of reason. There can be peer pressure, you know, like where uh, all of the girls in a church or a community uh get married except me and um, what's yeah. wrong with me. But the sense of rejection uh is quite overwhelming. And I've had uh, numbers of women say that, there's just not enough eligible guys. You know, there's, there's too many mummies boys these days. Uh, you know, they take their ironing home to mummy. They're like, what? I could go on and on. But uh, it's a fear of missing out. Mm. You know, as you get a little bit older and you come up towards 30 and into your 30s, like, well, I'm going to be on my own if I don't sort of compromise. And it's not really compromise because he's actually quite a nice person. Uh, you know, there's a rationalization, but I've got every empathy and sympathy for women in that position because I've actually literally wept with them. Mm. I prayed for them with my wife usually, uh, and, and said, well, you know, let's hold on. Let's I, I, look at a story that comes from long ago where my wife was in a church in Dunedin, New Zealand. There were seriously six young women in their 20s, um, mid to late 20s who were single, and there was no eligible men in that church. Uh, it wasn't a small church. It was maybe 180, couple hundred. And so the pastor literally said, I'm going to pray that God will send eligible, godly men to our city. Look, this sounds like a fairy tale, but within 12 months, all six of those women were either married or engaged. Wow, wow. I was one of those six uh, wow. who somehow met Moira, my wife. Uh, You know, one guy came from America through Dunedin. Uh, You know, pastors, I think, if people are part of a church, need to try and, you know, be there for them and and pray for them and include them. I think it's a better culture now in terms of women can be leaders, uh, they can be involved, um, you know, they're not shunned. Although some would say, well, you know, you know, I'm a single woman in my 30s and a number of married couples don't really want me to be around mm. uh, in their social circle because mm. I'm perceived as a threat in their relationship. So it's, it's a complicated, multifaceted thing, really.
2: Uh, mm. so moving from that, um, Brian, to a scenario where, and there's a real scenario I'm referring to, where you know a husband and wife are together and then one of them, in the case I'm referring to, was the husband came to Christ. And and so, you know, that left them, in, in very commas, unequally yoked. What would you, you suggest in that scenario?
3: Well, I would agree with what I think you're inferring. It's actually very common over time. Um, and I think for, it's a massive disappointment. You know, like, how did this happen? It's usually just a subtle thing like, oh, you know, we, we might not go to church as often as we have been or not be so involved and we don't really need a small group. We, you know, our family is our church or our work our community is more like our church. And they kind of wake up and think, hold on a minute, where's Jesus in this? You know, where is the joy of being connected, the the motivation of purpose which I would put right at the top of a successful relationship. You know, what is our purpose? What is beyond meeting our own needs or each other's needs? Uh, I would say, and I've had to do this on or done it on a number of times, is just be a godly person. You know, be a godly person. Let's say we're talking about a lady, for example, where the guy is now uh, drinking too much, not coming home from work like he used to in time to help with the kids, he goes to the pub with his maid. Uh, This can work both ways. But say, look, um, what did Jesus do? He said, I I didn't come uh, to be served, I came to serve. And this is a word that's not very common these days. It's not in vogue. But I would say, you know, serve him, serve her.
1: Brian, can I then, I suppose, as we get towards the end of the show and I don't want to run out of time but <clears throat> can we assume then that I mean there's people who you, you know we we start as christians we get a little way into the marriage one may fall away we've got to navigate that we're not sure how that may work out there's people that either come into a marriage and one isn't a christian and it might be that one comes to faith and so then we can that's great then of course there's that scenario where there's the two kind of opposites at the beginning and we can make it work because there's enough in there. But there is that, like you started the, the show by saying, but there is a kind of a sadness, like it's good, but we still haven't met that point where both of us are at faith, right? And we, so we just kind of navigate that. But it, l- let's just speak to people listening right now who are in a marriage, right? And it doesn't matter if it's the man or the woman, but one of them isn't isn't of faith. And it's become a bit of a stumbling block in their marriage, right? Um. For whatever reason, it's not even just like, oh, you go and do your own thing and that's okay. It's like it's causing problems in the marriage, right? They don't necessarily want the marriage to end, but they can't get past this point. What advice would you give to people who are in that scenario right now?
3: Which, as we know, is increasingly common. You know, you kind of hope that there's some good friends in this scenario. They've walked with Christ and they've been part of an authentic community of Christians then hopefully some of your friends will notice what's going on and go out of their way to take, uh, you know, Frank for a drink or play some game or whatever, you know, uh, uh, you know, so to me, it's not just two individuals, potentially it's a community. It's Mm. like living in such a way that your faith is so evident and compelling that it, it, you know, can affect the conscience of that person who's drawing back. And I think it's grace, it's it's patience, it's certainly prayer, really praying that the Holy Spirit will work in that partner or husband-wife's life. I think we underestimate that it's all up to us. But in fact, you know, the Almighty God, the creator of the universe, he, he works for us and with us and he responds to prayer. So prayer, listening to the Holy Spirit, Um, you know, what is the key to this, you know, in this instance, to my husband's heart? Uh, You know, he loves this world. He might want to go to Bathurst. Uh, I can't stand smelly, noisy cars and all that, but maybe I'll go to Bathurst with him. Um mm-hmm. You know, that's just a poor sake mm-hmm. of argument. But I think it's working out creative ways to show love practically and to demonstrate the gracious spirit of christ without compromising your own value it's Mm. doable because i've seen it in many people's Mm. lives Mm. not easy but doable and it's better if we see ourselves as part of the community you know even father son and holy spirit uh helping us guiding us um giving us creative ideas and hopefully a few friends
1: I mean, you mentioned there about getting friends and and perhaps we end on that note, Brian, because our push every week in Momentum is for men particularly to get connected. Uh, Women tend to do this more easily as we all kind of know, but uh, for men to get connected, but not just get connected, to to start having conversations and start doing life together. And that does require an area or an air of vulnerability and authenticity, which a lot of men can find confronting, but the benefits of that are absolutely huge. And we would always endorse that. So, momentumaustralia.org is our website. If you want to have a look around our website, you can perhaps find some more ideas around what that might look like for you. If you do need a a confidential chat with someone on our care line, that number is 1-800-000-636. And maybe that's marriage related. Maybe it's friendship related. Maybe it's mental health related or something else related. It doesn't matter. Uh, It's more important that you just reach out. And of course, our special guest has been Brian Andrew this week. And uh, I'd love you to check out Brian's website, livehappytogether.com.au, livehappytogether.com.au. And we referenced the man book earlier. Um, A great, great resource, guys, to have in your back pocket uh, as you do life together. It touches on all of the key areas of life that we struggle with and then some and just gives you some really great insight. And that's from our special guest, Brian Andrew. Brian, as always, an absolute pleasure having you on the show and uh, thank you again for your wisdom and your insight this week.
3: Hey, thanks so much, uh, Des and Tim. It's been a, it's been a pleasure and certainly, uh, a very, to me, an emotional thing just being aware of the pain that is associated with this topic. But there's always hope, always hope.
0: You've been listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again,